0: Hey guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Genesis. Now the last time we were here in chapter 44, we remember that Joseph was testing his brothers and it was the third of the three tests that Joseph gave his brothers. The first test that he gave his brothers, we remember when he took Simon in the first time and he put Simon in prison while accusing his brothers of being spies. Then the second test that he had gave them was when they finally came back to the land after the famine. Remember, the whole point of the brothers coming into the land of Egypt in the first place was because the famine was so severe and it had reached down into the land of Canaan. It struck Canaan the first time the brothers came in, and that's when he gave them their first test. That is the test of Simon accusing them of being spies. And remember, the whole of the theme concerning the brother's character reverberated around Genesis 42 and 11 when they said, we are honest men. And the idea of all of that is in in the mind of Joseph, the test, indeed are you honest men. Indeed, are you changed men, men who have changed from who were once jealous of me because of what the dreams that I had or because of of how my father favored me amongst the rest of the brothers, amongst you all. Are you changed men, men who desired to kill me, men who, when they saw me, put me in a cistern pit and men who sold me to Ephraimite traders, I'm sorry, Ishmaelite traders. Are you indeed changed me? So that's the idea behind Joseph's test. So number one, we saw when they first came in and um, their brother Simon was kept into prison until they should return back into the land. Remember, Joseph knew that there would be seven years of famine in the land. OK. Number two, when they came in the second time and they was hesitant because Jacob was uh, unwilling to send his only his last son by his wife, Rachel, that is son by the name of Benjamin. He was the full brother of Joseph. And this was the demand of Joseph to his brothers that if you would see my face again, if you would trade in the land that is continue to buy grain from Egypt and Egypt was the only place there was grain in the whole surrounding area at that time famine was so severe. If you are continuing to buy grain, you will have to bring your brother Benjamin as proof. You see the testing of the brothers. And so there was a reluctance from Jacob, their father descended because he didn't want to lose. He he knew that he had lost Joseph already. Okay. He didn't, he thought Joseph was dead. Now he has lost Simon because he has been imprisoned by Joseph who did not remember. No, it was Joseph. Okay. He had lost Simon. And of course, he did not want to lose Benjamin, who was his, let me say it again, kind of like new favorite son. Joseph had 11 sons that he believed was living. He actually had 12. He thought Joseph was dead, but Joseph was alive, of course. So he was unwilling. So he waited out as long as he could. And finally, when there was no other choice and they were about to starve to death again, he sends the brother. And what happened? Judah intervenes and said, unless you send Benjamin, we will not go. Uh, Jacob agrees. He sends Benjamin along. Benjamin goes. There is the second test. The second test is why they are seated in the house of Joseph. They have this great dinner. Benjamin is given five times as much Food before the rest of the brothers where Joseph can watch and see how they react. Again, are you indeed changed men? Are you jealous of Benjamin? Are you envious in any kind of way? The brothers passed that test with flying colors. Then the final test that we have as we were here in chapter 44, the last time when they actually left from the meal the next day, he filled their sex as he had normally done. But this time he put the cup, Joseph's silver cup, and it was all a setup by Joseph, and so he told the steward to do that: put his silver cup in their bags, and when they got down to the edge of the city, right before they got ready to leave, to go and stop them and accuse them of theft. And so the uh, Joseph's household steward did just that. And when the men heard this accusation by the steward as they were being stopped, they were indignant in the sense. And they began to defend themselves, saying we could not do this thing. We even brought back the money that was given that was found in our sacks from the last time. Whoever did such a thing, let this man be put to death and the rest of us brothers will become slaves to you. And so the steward refused this. But nevertheless, he began to search, starting with the eldest going down to the youngest. And there indeed, the silver cup was found in Benjamin's sack. In whom's, in whose sack it was placed in the first place, according to the directions of Joseph, the brothers came back to Egypt. Once again, fell before Joseph and began to plead, simply saying that there was absolutely nothing that they could say. And that's when Judah stood up and Judah began to plead and Judah began to intercede, not only on behalf of the brothers, But especially on behalf of Benjamin and his father, Jacob, simply saying that he could not live if you did not send Benjamin back. So he pleaded with Joseph, don't send. Don't take Benjamin. Hold me responsible. Please send even the rest of my brothers back because my father would surely die if anything happened to Benjamin. And this was one of the most moving words that we had from the mouth of Judah to his brother Joseph. And remember, Judah was the one who, whose bright idea it was to sell Joseph as a slave to the Ephraimites as well as it, Judah did not even recognize that it was Joseph at this time. All right, with that, we get ready to go into verse number 40, I'm sorry, chapter number 45, and we will have the revelation of Joseph to his brothers as the brothers have passed all of their tests. And now Joseph filled with emotion at the plea of Judah. Joseph reacts. All right. Chapter 45. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Now, I'm going to stop right there because even though this continues on with the narrative section, there are still wonderful points that I think we should cover before we move too far. And... I forget them as we as I go through the text. So we, we, we're still in the same narrative situation dealing with Judah's plea, his beautiful plea before second to the throne, Joseph. Okay? And as Judah is making his plea. It strikes Joseph to the heart so greatly that Joseph could not hold back his tears. And so as he began to literally start breaking down, he sends all of the Egyptians out of the room because this was indeed a private matter only between Joseph and his brothers. And so Joseph is beginning to weep loudly and audibly. At the plea of Jude it is striking his heart. He just can't take it anymore. And so when he does, Joseph begins. And you can imagine. Remember now, Joseph spoke when he would speak to his brothers in times past. He would speak to them through an interpreter. That is, Joseph would speak Egyptian. The interpreter would interpret the Egyptian to Hebrew to his brothers. But now, even though it is not stated, because we know the brothers then all of a sudden learn Egyptian language, Joseph is now revealing himself, and also, it is implied here, speaking the tongue of Hebrew, as he says to his brothers, I am Joseph. In the Hebrew tongue okay and so as he speaks to them he begins to inquire concerning his father is my father still alive is everything still all right with the family and he tells them it's me and then he gives them credible information that only they would know what's that information i'm the joseph you sold as a slave to egypt so right then and there they knew the only somebody who would have this information besides those 10 brothers would be Joseph himself. This is proof positive that indeed that this is Joseph. And so he tells them, of course, because they cannot be near Joseph as the second ruler to Egypt, come near, kind of in the sense of examine him, look upon him to see that indeed he It's Joseph. And then he begins to tell them something and the reason for what is going on. He simply says this. Joseph recognizes the sovereignty of God. That is that from the very beginning, even though their hearts and I don't want to rehash all of this from chapter 37, because all of this comes from chapter 37. But. God was at work even though their hearts had ill will towards Joseph, okay? They didn't like him. They were jealous of him. Envious of him, remember, because his father favored him. They had an hatred to such a degree because of Joseph's dream that one day Joseph would rule over them. And we see this dream is clearly now come to pass and how they were bowing down to Joseph time and time again. Every time that they came into the land of Egypt, what were they doing? Bowing down to Joseph. Okay. so in all of these things and how they put him in the cistern, sold him as a slave. Joseph understood that in their mistreatment of him, in their mistreatment, the sovereign hand of God is still at work. It was still at work to bring Joseph into Egypt and all of the events of Joseph's life as he came into the household of Potiphar and then his Potiphar's wife accused, falsely accused Joseph of attempted rape. And then Joseph going into the prison and there in the prison when he meets the baker and he meets the, the cup bearer of the Pharaoh, drawing him closer and closer to the throne of Pharaoh, Joseph understood the sovereign hand of God to place him in the position of power using, using what? the maltreatment and the ill treatment of his own brothers to engineer all of these things. Joseph had time to consider that God had done these things and he did these things allowing me to suffer this in order that I might preserve your lives. So that I might be brought to this position to where I am able to save your lives for the famine is yet to come to an end. And without my intervention to care for you, you will certainly die in the famine. So Joseph understood these things. So not only did he, does he understand it, okay, but also too, notice in verse number five, in Joseph's contemplation, that he has had over all of these events through the years of the 20 years of his life, this mistreatment, he says to them, do not be angry with yourselves. It shows that in his understanding of God's sovereign hand, God has also worked on the heart of Joseph in a magnificent way. And I myself would want to be able to say, I want to be like Joseph. He says to his brothers, do not be angry with yourselves. This is an explicit statement that he said that he is letting them know he has forgiven them. He has forgiven them for their envy, hatred, hatred mistreatment instead of allowing it to, to just to boil over into his mind. You know, we can get, so, we can get to, to a place where we say to ourselves, I'll never forgive them for what they did to me. I never forget. We can be unforgiving to such a degree. We won't even forgive for what people said to us. Let less known design to kill us, sell us into slavery. But Joseph is magnanimous in this sense. He forgives them and he even tells them, don't even be angry with yourself because God was involved in this whole picture. Okay. Magnificent, isn't it? But anyway, let's continue to verse number six now. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry up and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come and you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. Okay, so he stops here. So now. He didn't stop there. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop there. So now he begins to tell them and we, and he also lets us know during the times that they had been coming here, when they first came into the land, that it was only two years of the seven years of famine. Remember Joseph had predicted in his, uh, predicted according, uh, uh to the Pharaoh's dream. Remember the the seven lean cows and the seven blasted corn ears of the Pharaoh's dream. Seven years of famine to such a degree that it would eat up the abundance of the seven years of great times of plenty and harvest, okay? But we are only in just two years and already the famine struck the land of Canaan. First time they had to come. Quickly they ate up all of that food. Second time the famine has come. They're they're gonna eat up all of that food soon, and what, five years remain. And without Joseph's constant provision for them, they would not survive. So he tells them that. And then he tells them, go down to my father's house and bring him back. Make him aware of all that God has done. And all throughout this part of the text, Joseph's words to them, he is, con- he is continually allowing them to see he is taking no credit to himself. I like that about the humility of Joseph. He keeps saying that God has placed me in this position. God has put me here so I can provide for you. God has made me, and notice he used the terminology, a father to Pharaoh. And by that, when he means a father to Pharaoh, he simply means counselors were often called fathers, okay? So when you were a great counselor to a king or a ruler or a great person or, or whatever, they would often use the designation as Father, And so Joseph as being Pharaoh's greatest counselor, remember, because of the counsel that Joseph had given the Pharaoh about what to do about the upcoming Pharaoh, Pharaoh made him second in command of all of Egypt, second in authority. Right. And so, again, he reiterates that he is second in line in all of Egypt. Okay, and that's what he's telling. Tell my father. He's telling his brothers. Tell them of the splendor and the glory of me. Tell him that. And the reason why he's doing that. This is not to boast. This is simply to convince Jacob that indeed, Joseph is still alive. You don't have to be afraid to come to Egypt. And because Joseph is alive in Egypt and he is well in a position to provide for you and all of the tribes of Jacob. Okay. And so therefore he says, tell him this. I'm able to provide for him. Tell him of all of my glory. Now let's go into verse number 12. we We're continuing. Behold your eyes. Your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen. And you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept and Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all of his brothers and wept on them. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. Okay, so now he begins to tell them once again. Indeed, you have, and he's simply fortifying, fortifying the fact, it is me. And even my brother Benjamin has seen. In other words, if anybody could recognize me that it is Joseph, it would be Benjamin. And Benjamin can, he can testify and say that it is me and I'm speaking to y'all that I'm in other words, I am truly alive. So go around and tell my father everything that I've said. Tell him about the glory that I have. And remember what I just said about the glory that he has. Not a braggadocious statement, but simply a point of fact. Simply saying that all that he had spoken of in the dream in the greatness that God would once give him in order that he would be able to provide for his father Jacob and all his tribe. He would have to be a man of great wealth and power in order to do that. So Joseph is not bragging. He is simply telling them, I'm in a position to take care of you. Tell my daddy that in order to convince him. Remember, because there's always been a thing with the patriarchs, what did I just say? It has always been a thing with the patriarchs. Do not leave the land of Canaan. And even when we get into the next chapter, that's going to be a thing reiterated again. Because remember, even when Abraham came down into the land of Canaan, I believe that's what Genesis chapter 12. And there was a famine, not as severe as this one. But nevertheless, a famine hit the land of Canaan. He went into the land of Egypt but he should not have gone into the land of Egypt, okay? And then once again, we see the same thing beginning to reoccur with Isaac and God having to tell him, don't go, don't leave the land of Canaan." So it's always been a thing with the patriarchs In leaving the land of Canaan. But notice this time Joseph is urging them to leave the land of Canaan. All right. And then we'll find out later. And I'm not going to be too premature that God himself will go and tell Jacob. It's all right you can now leave the land of Canaan. Why? Because this will fulfill those words spoken by God to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 when God tells Abraham that his descendants would become slaves to a people outside of this land. And after four generations, 400 years, God will bring them back into the land of Canaan and he will bring them back with great rejoicing. And we know all of that will come through Moses at a much later time. But nevertheless, the point that I'm illustrating is that this is fulfillment that God has spoken to Abraham because all the time, do not leave the land of Canaan. That was the point. Don't leave the land of Canaan. But now God has orchestrated things that they should leave the land of Canaan. And let's rewind the tape all the way back. And why is God allowing them? Why is God himself sending them? causing the famine to drive them, using Joseph, sending him in front of them, using the feelings of their brothers and the hatred. Why is God doing all of these things? Let's go all the way back. I believe it's chapter 35. Dinah has the bright idea to go and visit the Canaanites and then comes the threat of intermarriage. Then all of a sudden in chapter 38, Judah has the bright idea to depart from his brothers and marries a Canaanite woman. What happened? The explosion with Dinah. She's raped the intermarriage with the Canaanite. What happened with Judah? The mess with his family, his two of his sons are put to death by God. Why? They are learning the ways of the Canaanites. Why? Because to intermarry with the Canaanites is to learn the ways of the Canaanites, to worship the gods of the Canaanites, where the Jewish people will lose their identity and where their purpose. A chosen people of God will be sullied and therefore they will become ineffectual to the calling of God and they are no longer useful to God because why they have intermixed with the Canaanites and for all practical purposes. Have become Canaanites themselves, and so now this is what is going on here. God is now preserving his people, preserving their ethnic nationality and distinction, preserving their calling for a nation of people. Okay, but anyway, without getting to preaching and commentary about all of that, we're still continuing. So he weeps. And he said, my brother Benjamin can recognize me. He weeps on Benjamin. And this is the final act of weeping that we'll see here. And then to show even also that he I have forgiven you, not simply in words. You can imagine him embracing his brothers one by one. And he is weeping on them as well. That means his other brothers. okay? and so this is to let them know I have forgiven you. Go in peace. Do as I have spoken unto you. All right. So now let's continue. First, number seven, 16. Remember Pharaoh's uh, uh, Joseph's servants who are Egyptians themselves. They heard of Joseph's cry. They have now, they are now aware of the situation in totality. Indeed, these and whether or not they, they, it clearly seems to indicate they didn't know all of the details, or even maybe even that these uh, guys were Joseph's brother. Maybe he heard them from them. Maybe he only told his chief household steward. Nevertheless, this. There's, there's, Servants of Joseph hear about this. The news now has traveled to the household of the Pharaoh himself Why? Because think about who Joseph is second in command to the Pharaoh himself So clearly the news will go to the Pharaoh himself and now let's look at how Pharaoh Responds when he hears that Joseph's brothers have come into the land verse number 16 now when the news was heard in the in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your beast and go to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are ordered, do this, Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Do not concern yourselves with your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Now, that is absolutely beautiful. So because of Joseph's favor with Pharaoh, Pharaoh now shows favor with joseph's family no doubt pharaoh is has been pleased with joseph ever since ever since joseph came out of the prison and interpreted the dream. This was the time of Pharaoh's being pleased with Joseph and Joseph's administration over Egypt and how he took 20% of all of the land and stored it up in granaries so that when the famine became uh, struck, Egypt and the people came to Pharaoh and cried out to Pharaoh that they were impoverished, how he sent them to Joseph and said, whatever Joseph tells you to do, you do that. In Joseph's administration, Pharaoh was pleased with him. And so in that pleasure, what does he do? He tells Joseph's brothers. He says, I tell you what you do. You return back to your land and you go and you take for provisions. Okay. For yourselves and for your families. And I want you to take wagons and the purpose of the wagons were to take their wives and their children and their father who could not make the trip on foot and bring them back to the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh graciously says, don't worry about trying to load up all of your stuff and, and try to bring provisions for what you're going to do for it to take care of yourselves. When you get back to the land of Egypt, no, 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 no. I the Pharaoh will provide for you and I the Pharaoh will give you and see you can, you got to get the import of what he's saying. Pharaoh who is seen as a God to the Egyptians, Pharaoh who is even greater than Joseph. But even though Joseph, Has the authority. Pharaoh is not saying Joseph, what Joseph said to you without me. No, no. Joseph can do this, but Pharaoh is supplying his blessing. So even as the Pharaoh is speaking, you can imagine the strength of this command and the beauty of this blessing to these Israelites. Don't worry about it. Don't you worry about a thing. I the Pharaoh will provide for you. Thus it is ordered from my mouth. And you can imagine how they felt when they heard these words from the Pharaoh himself, not only from their brother who they thought, they didn't even know that he was their brother. They just knew he was the second likened unto Pharaoh. But now the Pharaoh himself has given this blessing. Wow. Wow but anyway so now let's go on verse number 21 then the sons of israel and notice how they flip now and speaks now instead of saying jacob they say israel because they speak of them as a tribal people but we got to read they did so and joseph gave them wagons according to the command of pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey To each of them he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred pieces of silver and five changes of garments. To his father he sent as follows. 10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away. And as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the journey. So what happens? So then they returned to Joseph. And Joseph, taking the administration of the things, just like he always did, according to the word of Pharaoh, he gave them the wagons and the provisions and sent them on their way. And so what did he give them to the brothers explicitly? He gave them a change of clothing and to Benjamin, but to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and Five changes of clothing, and what you have to, so let me break it down here. So as to the brothers, he gave a change of clothing. It cannot help but take our minds back to Joseph and Joseph, how he wore a special cloth. A special robe that was given to him of his father, Jacob, Genesis chapter 37, a robe of many colors, a robe of distinction. And notice how Joseph himself has now clothed his own brothers, the 10 brothers who stripped his clothing from his back and placed goat blood on it. Those 10 brothers. Now, Joseph has reclothed. And the point here. He is honoring those who dishonored him. But not only that, to his full brother, because that's who Benjamin is, the full brother of Joseph. He gives five, just like at the table. He gave fivefold. He now gives him a fivefold. And he also honors his brothers, Benjamin, a great and special honor, even above, above his other brothers. Three hundred pieces of silver. He sends them on their way. He gives them tra- wagons like the Pharaoh had ordered, provisions for themselves. Also, he sends along these ten donkeys, female donkeys as well as male donkeys, and these provisions of grain as well as the best of Egypt. He's so the grains for the provisions. Provisions of food, but then the other donkeys had the other ten the best of Egypt This is the splendor and the wealth of Joseph. That's the point so that in seeing all of this not only did you get the food and Of course, no doubt they he sent their money back as usual But not only did you get the food, but then you get all of this what the world is all of this? wealth if you see the wealth, remember that Joseph is saying, I'm in good shape. I have been placed in a position of power. You don't have to be afraid of coming to Egypt. I can provide for you and take care of you for the five years of famine that remain." Here is proof. Look at the greatness of gifts that I'm sending to you, my father, the best of Egypt. Has your eyes ever seen something like this? And this from me, your son Joseph, whom God has placed in Egypt. Again, God has placed in Egypt, okay? So he gives them all of this great splendor. He gives them the change of clothes, the blessing to them. And knowing, knowing that they are going to be away from him, that he has just revealed to them that it is me, Joseph, what me? the one whom you yourself sold as a slave in Egypt, Joseph knew what could happen along the way. What does he say to his brothers? Do not quarrel among yourselves. What do you mean? So now as they leave Joseph, they have time to consider their actions and what is all going on and begin to digest. And they can now begin to point fingers at one another saying when Joseph came and you said this and you wanted to do this and, and Judah, it was you, your bright idea to sell it as a slave. And maybe Reuben, remember Reuben did not want Joseph to be killed and Reuben didn't want in Reuben wanted to return Joseph back to his father safe and sound. And Reuben could say to all of his brothers, this is all your fault. And if you got, Joseph knew this could happen and it could bring division. Joseph said, This is not a time for division. This is a time for what? Chapter 45, the theme of 45, reconciliation. This is a time for all of these things to be put away. This is a time for us all to come together. Let's bury the hatchet. It was God who had done all of these things. Let us come together as a family. Let us understand that God is bringing a famine on the land and God has placed me in order to preserve your life. Forget everything that has happened. Come together. Tell my father, tell him to trust what you're saying. Bring him to Egypt so I can take care of him as well as all of your family. Not the time. Don't quarrel amongst yourself. Joseph is indeed a wise man. Now let's finish it. So what? So he sent his brothers away. Then they went up from Egypt, came to the land of Canaan to their father, Jacob. They told him saying, Joseph is still alive. And indeed, he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned for he did not believe them when they told him all the words that Joseph uh, that he had spoken to them. And when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. Then Israel said, I like the way it's doing the name change from Jacob to Israel, Jacob to Israel. Then Israel said, It is enough. My son, Joseph, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. All right. And so what happened? So then they left Egypt, just like Joseph had warned them, gone down. No quarreling along the way. They go down there to their father, Jacob. So they finally arrived home and they said, Dad, father, Joseph is alive. And not only is he alive, he is the one we've been talking to the whole time. He is the ruler of Egypt. And you can imagine the swooshing that's going on in Jacob's head. He's like, what But He's supposed to be dead. Our animal killed him or, or, 20, uh, or 22 years ago, or 20, no, what is it, 29, whatever it is. What? This cannot be true. But they say, yes, he is. It is Joseph. And, and look, he spoke to us. Benjamin can tell you, yeah, this is him, dad. Not only that, look, look, he is the ruler of Egypt. Remember those things in the wagon? I'm sorry. The provision that was set on top of the donkeys as well as the fatness of the land of Egypt. Those other 20 do remember that 10 donkeys. Remember that 10 donkeys? Look at all of this stuff. Joseph is ruler. Joseph is a powerful man. Joseph is the man that we have been talking to in the first place. And so Jacob's mind begins to it's hard to, to fathom that all of this is true. But nevertheless, he accepts what his sons have said. And all of a sudden, his spirit is revived. Can you imagine how happy he is to know that his son even his favorite son from the beginning, the first one is indeed alive and that he's ruler in the most powerful. And that's the thing that you have to understand about Egypt at this time. Egypt is the most advanced and powerful, educationally advanced too, in arts and science. Beautiful thing. Most powerful nation in the world. His son is ruler under the Pharaoh ruler over the land of Egypt. So he is indeed happy. And so now he has resigned himself to say, you know what? It is good. I'm an old man. I will get a chance to see my son Before I die. So it seems to indicate that Jacob is believing that he doesn't have many more days to live and he'll be glad to see Joseph before he dies as well. The text seems to indicate that he does not intend to stay in Egypt, but we're going to find out in chapter 46 that God is going to speak to Jacob later on concerning this so-called visit in the land of Egypt. And we also discover something about how Joseph was thinking and feeling about leaving the land of Canaan and going down into the land of Egypt. But nevertheless, all we can say about Jacob at this point is he is ecstatic and he cannot wait to see his son, Joseph. God indeed has brought about not only a reunion of the brothers with joy in reconciliation, has provided for the brothers and all of the family of Jacob during the time of famine that has struck the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, but God also has engineered that the family of his chosen people should be brought into the land of Egypt for their preservation ethnically, for their preservation according to the will of God to be a light unto the Gentiles so that they will not intermix with the Gentile, intermix with the Canaanites and be preserved as a unique people of Israel. All right, guys, thanks for joining me in that. I think that was a great teaching and I really enjoyed that. But thank you guys for joining me with that. Remember, I need your help to continue to build the channel. So like and subscribe. All right. See you next time as we get into chapter 46 as Jacob prepares to move his family and the entire tribe into the land of Egypt in Goshen. See you then.